Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Ravens emphatically clinched the top seed in the AFC, but why is this Ravens team better than the ones that flamed out in previous virtuoso Lamar Jackson seasons? Also, Michigan overcame some unforced errors to beat Alabama, and now they face Washington for all the marbles. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. If the Ravens New Year's resolution was to be the number one seed in the AFC, boy, they got that one done in a hurry. A 56 to 19 throttling of the Miami Dolphins coming off of what was the biggest win maybe anyone got in the NFL this season when they likewise throttled the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night football. Kevin Ostreicher from Locked on Ravens joins me now. And, and Kevin, what's funny is you go back and you can look at the 49ers and say, okay, they had these two huge wins beating the crap out of the teams that we thought were the best in the league. But that was at the beginning of the season. Now Baltimore has come in and they've done the same. They seem to be peaking at the right time here. What has changed for them after they got off to an, an uneven start, uh, at least aesthetically? Yeah, I think that it was always there for them. They just had to kind of work through some of the growing pains and honestly some of the early injuries they went through. And the injury situation in Baltimore, they've lost some guys. But it hasn't been the typical. They always lose guys. That's just what right. It's been it's been different though this season because the past four years has been well. This guy's done for the year. Then that guy's done for the year. Then that guy. And they've lost some key guys for the year this season too. But for the most part, it's been you know Ronnie Stanley misses a month, then comes back. Marcus Williams misses three weeks, then he comes back. Marlon Humphrey misses a couple weeks, so they have most of their guys available. And while they have been dealing with some stuff, I think that, again, it's a new offensive system, some new playmakers coming in. The defense had always kind of been playing the way that they have, although it's been taken to another level. But I think we've seen some really good adjustments, both by Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald as the coordinators here. And that's something that we just hadn't seen over the past couple of seasons by either Don Martindale or Greg Roman during their time in Baltimore. So they have the talent. Their roster is also very well constructed compared to what we've seen. It feels like Baltimore really tried really hard to fill in a lot of these holes that they had in the previous years to make sure that if they lost a guy or two for a certain amount of time, they would have a guy to step up. And John Harbaugh said in his press conference, we view everybody as a starter. And while technically, of course, that's not true, the talent level certainly is there for most of those guys. Yeah, the depth has been, Isaiah Likely, just they don't miss a beat with him coming in for Mark Andrews. It's been a remarkable thing to see that one-handed catch over the weekend, just an unbelievable play. And Lamar Jackson is now the heavy, heavy favorite, according to our friends at FanDuel, to win the MVP. But now what matters, he's done that before. They want Super Bowl wins. They want the trophy. So they have not had the playoff success that even their regular season success under Lamar Jackson would suggest that they should have. So I'll ask the same question again about a different thing. Why is it different this time? What could be different for the Ravens? Why are they better set up if they are to be a better playoff team this time around? Yeah, I think it's a few things. I think, first of all, 
in sports and life, sometimes you have to go through failure to achieve success. And Baltimore remembers that 2019 season. And the reason that we don't talk about that as one of the greatest seasons in NFL history is because of what happened in the playoffs. It doesn't matter how good you are in the regular season. That was a historic regular season offense in so many different categories. I can't even remember all of them anymore. But again, it's just kind of forgotten here in Baltimore because of how big of a playoff failure that was, whether the Ravens were looking ahead to the AT championship, had written off Tennessee or whatnot, they just couldn't get it done. And we heard Ronnie Stanley talk about it, and, and he says he'll never forget that. Lamar Jackson, I'm sure, has that seared in his brain. John Harbaugh, same thing. But sometimes you have to kind of go through that. You have to experience that failure to have the success. And I just think it's a different team overall. I don't love to marry history, especially we're talking four years now from 2019 to 2023. There was no Mike McDonald was at the helm of that defense. There was no Tom Monk at the helm of that offense. And despite how good both units were, the personnel is pretty different too. Justin Matabike is broken out this year. There was no Roquan Smith, no Patrick Queen. Despite Marquise Brown having a great rookie season that year, there was no Odell. Zay Flowers himself is having a good rookie year. The depth is just different this year. Plus, a lot of people don't remember that in that game against the Titans, both Mark Andrews and Mark Ingram were injured pretty hmm. badly. Ingram barely played, despite how good he scored 15 total touchdowns that year. And Andrews couldn't leap for a ball on the first possession that resulted in the Titans interception. So it's all about circumstances, all about different things. But I also think this Ravens team is more battle tested than they were in 2019. The Ravens just blew teams out of the water in 2019. It was blowout after blowout after blowout, 50 points, 45 points. Yeah, they had good. a couple, yeah, a couple close games here and there, like the Bills, the 49ers, but they had a gauntlet coming out of the bye. We talked about it, where it was Rams, Jaguars, 49ers, Dolphins, Steelers. They've passed every test. And while it's been, I guess, technically quote unquote easy because of some of these blowouts. That doesn't take away the fact that the Dolphins are a good football team. The 49ers are a good football team. Lions, Seahawks, whatever you want to say. So to me, I think them being more battle-tested this year is going to have them in a better situation than they were in 2019. Now the question is, are they going to rest their starters in Week 18, or are they going to play them? They were in the same situation in 2019 against Pittsburgh in the final game of the season. They decided to rest everybody, so we'll see if it's different this time around. Well, that was the last thing I was going to add. Uh, ask you quickly, Kevin. What do you think is the right move for them? I think the right move is probably to rest them. I mean, I think there are levels to it as well. You have to have some level of momentum. The Ravens have been playing with that. But obviously, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith and that Pittsburgh defense, I know it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows there in Pittsburgh all season, but they have some quality playmakers, especially pass rushing-wise. What if TJ Watt gets to Lamar and injures him? I mean, the Ravens season is over essentially right then and there. Stay up to date all year on the Baltimore Ravens by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Ravens on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, Michigan had a lot of self-inflicted adversity to overcome, but they did. Before we get to whether the Wolverines can win it all, the Dolphins lost more than the game on Sunday. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, what are you waiting for? The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, teasers, and more. There's also a lot of weekly promos and boosts to give you plenty of opportunities to increase your payout. The Charlotte Hornets, quite the underdogs to the Sacramento Kings tonight after facing the defending champion Nuggets last night. The Hornets 
15 and a half point dogs against the Kings, according to FanDuel. Charlotte, just bad. And this brutal back-to-back is not going to do them any favors. You can also combine bets for a bigger payout. Same game parlays a great way to enjoy watching sports. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and do the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Miami Dolphins pass rusher Bradley Chubb done for the rest of the season after he suffered a torn ACL in his right knee on Sunday. Just a brutal loss. Chubb went down with a non-contact injury late in the fourth quarter against the Ravens and was carted back to the locker room where he was ruled out soon after. The fact that Chubb and the Dolphins' defensive starters were on the field in a blowout to instant criticism was a decision that Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel expressed regret for making. It was a tough moment that um, I wish it wouldn't have happened. Um, hindsight's 2020, um, but every, everything uh, really, uh, every decision I make, I, I, I understand how important it is to everyone that I'm doing the right thing for the, the team and the organization. And when, when things like that happen, yeah, the burden is great. Tearing your ACL this late in the season also puts Chubb's start to the 2024 season very much in doubt. With their playoff hopes hanging in the balance, the Pittsburgh Steelers are sticking with Mason Rudolph. Though 2022 first-round pick Kenny Pickett has been medically cleared to return following tightrope surgery on his ankle. Yes, that's what it's called, tightrope surgery. Coach Mike Tomlin said Monday he's sticking with Rudolph at quarterback in a must-win game in the season finale against the Baltimore Ravens, who, as we mentioned, locked up that top seed. You know, he's done a nice job. Um, like I mentioned when we inserted him, um, he's got a great deal of confidence in himself, and it is real. Um, I think it's contagious. Um, he's aggressive uh, in style of play, um, and, and I think that's helpful, particularly when you're up against it. Um, the calculated risk-taking associated with the pursuit of victory is important. Um, and he's displayed those things. Considering the Ravens will likely be sitting Lamar Jackson, among other starters, it may not be a huge deal about who is starting, but it is potentially impactful for the future of the quarterback position in Pittsburgh. OG Ananobi announced himself to the New York Knicks fans in quite the debut performance as the Knicks beat the Wolves. Alex, we, we can't delay the inevitable any longer, nor could the Timberwolves after a spirited comeback. They ultimately fall 112 to 106 to the New York Knicks. They overcame a 22-point deficit spurred on by a 38 to 17 second quarter for the Knicks. A lot of OG Ananobi magic there. And then Julius Randle carries the Knicks home down the stretch. Yeah, the Julius shot making, which we'll talk about a little more in depth, was so huge to this team in this game. Like Things were really looking bad. I mean, Brunson, he, he set a career high, very quietly set a career high for assists in this game with 14, uh, which you wouldn't have realized because otherwise you're kind of just going like, oh, man, can you please make a shot today? Like, it was just, it was brutal for him. Missing a lot of looks that he normally gets. And, 
you know, just all in all not looking comfortable. So Randall really stepped up down the stretch, especially exacerbated by the fact that, like, OG Ananobi won all of his minutes. I mean, he was amazing for them in this game. Gave them so many different looks on both ends of the ball, which was awesome. And then got, it's <laughs> getting used to that New York whistle, uh, got fouled out with four minutes to go on one of the most egregiously ticky-tack foul calls for a sixth foul I've ever seen in my life. Here is another story you need to know. After becoming a punchline in the college football playoff, at least in some circles, Michigan, not only did they advance, they advanced by beating the Alabama Crimson Tide. Ever heard of them in OTA 27-20 win in thrilling fashion. Craig Sheeman from Locked on Big Ten joins me now. And Craig, this feels like one of those seminal moments, not just for the Michigan program, but for the Big Ten outside of Ohio State, right? Because they just have not had these sorts of opportunities go this way. Why do you think this Michigan team was able to get this done? Well, they were almost flawless throughout the year. And if you saw the Rose Bowl, there were a couple, they put out the stat up a couple of times. I think 97% of the season, they were the tied or had the lead and they never trailed in the second half until tonight at any one game. This has been the best Michigan team maybe ever. certainly the best one that Jim Harbaugh has ever had. And it kind of feels like a team of destiny. Although I would throw a little bit of caution out there. Tonight felt like the big hump to get over. Tonight felt like a championship. Tonight wasn't the championship. That's next <laughs> week. So enjoy the win tonight, Michigan. But remember, you got uh, a big one next week now. And, and you have to win that one or else those same stories probably continue. I think if you're going to be Jim Harbaugh, though, when you watch the tape back with your team, you're going to go, this game was as close as it was because of us. This There were a lot of self-inflicted wounds on this team, including what was almost the game-losing muffed fumble in that late fourth quarter where they had to avoid a safety just to make it to overtime. And that's been what they've done all season. They've overcome these obstacles, some real, some imagined, right? Some of the, the things that they have... Uh, used to play to their advantage, but it seems like, okay, they won this game, but it, it could have been a much more comfortable win than it ended up being. And that has to be Jim, Jim Harbaugh's rallying cry to this team. Hey, we won, but we could have been so much better. The fact that that kid after muffing the punt, got the ball back to the one might have yes. been a play of the year, <laughs> but yeah, you make a great point. They muffed two punts, one at the very beginning of the game and one at the end of the game, they miss uh, a field goal. They miss an extra point. A couple of their trick plays. I mean, the double pass was almost a disaster. Um, there were it could a have lot been a touchdown if they wrong. just get the if Blake Corm gets the ball back to JJ McCarthy, they might have had a touchdown. Yeah, that that the receiver the the go route was there. Um, but you're right, it was it was a game of seconds, a game of inches. But yeah, a lot of things they need to clean up. And look, you could say that um, you know when you don't play for a month, maybe you're a little rusty in some areas. But both teams didn't play in a month, so I always kind of fall back on that. I will give Alabama some credit because, look, Michigan, the thing that was keeping them in the game with all the mistakes in the first half, they had the five sacks in the first half, which really stalled Alabama. Yeah. Then Alabama, Alabama figured out that they could get on the edges and run on the outside a little bit. That's why for Alabama fans, they're going to be talking about this at Tuscaloosa. I hated the play call uh, for, for Alabama on the last play of the game. For Milrow to run up the middle right into the teeth and the strength of that defense from the th – if they were inside the one, maybe, but from the three-yard line, I thought it was a horrible play call by Alabama, and Michigan took advantage of it and sealed the win. As we expand around college football and we understand, okay, there's, there's this – 
consolidation of teams, of conferences. Uh, it, it feels like this is a crucial moment for the Big Ten, um, for Michigan, for basically any non-Ohio State team to show out this well in, in the college football playoff. What do you think is on the line for the Big Ten as they send a team to the college football championship? Well, I, I went um, uh, live right after the game and I had somebody text me, hey, what happens if the NCAA, you know, decides that hamburger gate or, or whatever they're investigating these days, would they take, would they take a championship away from them? And I, at first I dismissed it, but then the second thought I thought, Hmm, I don't know. So what's at stake? Um, look, it's, it's big for the big 10 to, to get somebody in there and win this thing. And I can't, I personally wait till next year when we add four more good teams to it. It's just gonna be a gauntlet weekend, a week out. You're gonna have great primo games every week of the season. Uh, with the addition of the new Pac-12 schools, but yeah, I think it's pretty important. Michigan or Michigan and the Big Ten uh, go all the way, and don't forget that. Because look, we all grew up watching the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl was the end of the season. It was, it was the, the thing. Ten versus the Big Ten, and that was it. And again, the, tonight feels like they won a championship, but they didn't. They got to come out and they got to play tough. And no matter who they play, uh, it's going to be tough. Stay up to date all year on the Big Ten by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Big Ten on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the Washington Huskies are national championship bound. Is Texas back? Can we really trust that Washington is good? The two teams in the late playoff game on Monday night had a lot of doubters to silence. Locked On Big 12 host Drake Toll details the battle. Washington controls Texas and advances to the national championship. Now, the first thing you're going to hear, I know it's a wild finish, a wild finish. This instant reaction is going to give you a bit of how we got there, but I want to make a very clear point. Washington played Texas the way Texas played Alabama. I am not here to crap all over the Longhorns. I'm not here to dance on their grave for the next 25 minutes. They're a Big 12 team who put money in our pockets and made it to the college football playoff and had a hell of a season. Their best in almost 15 years. But Washington, please understand, Washington played Texas the way Texas played Alabama. This was a game in which the Longhorns were playing catch-up in the most crucial moments. Washington was not only never out of it, they controlled when they had to. If not for an unfortunate injury, Washington wins this game at the very end, and there is no shocking finish in the Sugar Bowl. There is no Texas opportunity to win it right there at the end. But in a cruel twist of fate, this offensive genius, this Steve Sarkeesian who has brought Texas back, this beautiful story, has an opportunity to win the Sugar Bowl, and you're right there on the cusp of it. You've been gifted an injury to give you a shot, and you crap all over it. And it wasn't the only time where I felt like, oh, man, what is Steve Sarkeesian doing? There were so many times over the course of the night you thought, all right, Steve, call your timeout. All right, Steve, what are you going to do here? All right, Steve, it's a, do, you, do you have a... Do you have a two-handed punt returner or kickoff returner? Do you have somebody with two working arms that can take a kick? I, I was not frustrated as much with the Texas. The Texas secondary was bad. I will make the case over the course of this show that Quinn Ewers was not crisp when he needed to be. When the moment mattered the most, Quinn Ewers did not rise to that occasion. But I put a good portion of what you just saw on Steve Sarkeesian. You have had a month to prepare for what you knew you were going to face in Michael Penix Jr., one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country, and your secondary is bad. Guess what we saw from the Texas secondary in this game? 
bad. 29 for 38 for Michael Penix Jr., 430 yards. When Sean McDonough, the play-by-play guy for ESPN, is constantly having to update you with how close Michael Penix Jr. is to breaking new records, that's when you know the Texas secondary is probably doing what the Texas secondary has done all season long. And then, not only defensively, it did not look like Quinn Ewers was prepared when the moments were the biggest. And finally, Detroit Lions head coach Dan Campbell is ready to put the most recent game behind him, drama and all. In the aftermath of Saturday's controversial primetime loss to the Dallas Cowboys, Campbell said he woke up feeling fine the very next day and now has, quote, controlled fury entering the regular season finale against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday, where the Lions have a shot at winning 12 games in a season for only the second time in franchise history. I'm not exactly sure what controlled fury looks like from Dan Campbell in particular, but I am sure I don't want to be the team that finds out. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports Today, who has the most exciting matchup in the final week of the NFL regular season? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.